request everyone, inshallah, who's in the lobby to kindly make your way back into the masjid um, and please gather together. Fill up the, uh, the spaces here, inshallah, the big gaps that we have. And we'll be starting the program shortly. So as was uh, been announced, and you've been hearing time and again, alhamdulillah, that we are blessed this weekend to have Sheikh Tamim Ahmadi with us from California. Uh, before I read the official biography, mashallah, and introduction, just the connection that we've had uh, when we were studying in Darul Ulum Zakaria in South Africa. Monar Tamim at that time was studying a few miles down, about 15, 20 miles down in another institute in Madrasa uh, Arabiya uh, in Azadville. So alhamdulillah, we've known each other uh, from the late 90s as we were studying during the same time. Uh, and then mashallah, Mawlana then went onwards to study in Karachi. And besides completing the complete alim program over there, the eight-year course, alhamdulillah, he spent many years in the company of his sheikh, Arif Billah, Hakim Akhtar Sahab, rahimahullah, rahmatan wasi'ah, from whom he actually got formal ijazah in the science of tazkiyah. So we are very blessed to have an individual who, uh, alhamdulillah, who grew up in California, I was born and he raised, educated here, and got an opportunity to study ilm. But along with that, with the ilm al-zahir, study the ilm al-batin. And inshallah, he is spending this, this evening with us here to inspire us uh, with the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this program that we have, after this program finishes, inshallah ta'ala, then we'll have a break. And then for the youth, there's a special youth session that Mawlana will be uh, addressing. Uh, the specific challenges that our boys and girls and young men and young women are facing in today's environment. And inshallah ta'ala tomorrow as well, I'll announce it at the end of the program. Uh, Morana has uh, translated one of the books of a sheikh uh, specifically on the, the, uh, the topic of the evil glance, or we say badnazri, and the evils of that. So he has uh, graciously brought uh, copies of that book and he will be teaching this uh, workshop, inshallah ta'ala, tomorrow morning between 11 and uh, Dhuhr Salah. So that is open to the entire community. Just two weeks ago, I was visiting uh, the Bay Area doing some different programs. And alhamdulillah, I was blessed to attend and visit uh, Sheikh Tamim's Masjid and Zawiyah and Madrasa over there. And alhamdulillah, I was very, very warmly welcomed by him and his students and his entire community. It was a very... Great audience, mashallah ta'ala, maybe over 250 brothers and sisters, Allah alam how many sisters, but definitely about 250 brothers were present for the program. Uh, it is a beautiful uh, masjid. He bought a church and converted that into the masjid. And they have a separate building for the school. Um, very quite beautiful, large facility. And knowing the prices of that area, how you, you know, alhamdulillah, it's an amazing opportunity that he was able to get this large place. And people flock from all over the place for that Saturday night program, that weekly Saturday night program that Sheikh Tamim holds. I know people from all walks of life, especially the young uh, brothers and sisters who feel that they don't have a space for themselves, they, who feel that uh, they do not have another welcoming place. MashaAllah Ta'ala feel very welcomed by him and his students. So we hope today's youth and elders here today as well, inshallah Ta'ala get inspired. And also please support his institution and the masjid and the madrasa that he, um, they have founded in the Bay Area. Alhamdulillah, uh, they are, I think, uh, short of, a, of some amount to pay off the entire building. So, mashallah, we had a little short fundraising here in Jumu'ah. 
We request those brothers as well who would like to donate to that project today or tomorrow while Sheikh is around. You can definitely reach out to him or to his students. And with that, inshallah ta'ala, I also uh, will, before I give him the mic, would like to invite our um, friends here, mashallah, who are in attendance. If you have a lot of friends, I know it's very, very cold. I think uh, minus two, uh, you know, it's going to get to minus two if it's not there already. So uh, some brothers and sisters didn't, were not able to make it out here. But all of this program, the PowerPoint and the speech is being live streamed from our website. So if you have your relatives and friends, kindly text message them. Let them know that the program is starting. And just visit our website, darussalamfoundation.org, where they can, inshallah ta'ala, uh, join in and benefit from the program. Jazakumullah khairah. Gaps in the between brothers Inshallah if we can please Close these gaps up We don't want shayateen uh, In and around us Inshallah We have enough problems of our own We don't need to invite more problems Let's fill up all the gaps Inshallah These holes in between Sit close together Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy And rahmah will descend on this gathering And you will actually Enjoy the As my teacher One of my teachers would say Enjoy the shade of The uh, wings of the angels this, The wings of the angels Are with the majlis The majlis is not where you can hear it from It's here right here Closer you sit, inshallah, the more benefit you'll get. Unless you actually need the wall to uh, take uh, you know, rest. If you do not need the wall, please sit together in the gathering. If you, are, uh, you need it, then that's fine, of course. You're excused. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahir Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ashraf al anbiya'i wal musaleen. Sayyidina wa nanbina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawmiddin amma ba'd Respected brothers and sisters in Islam, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh First and foremost, I want to thank the community, uh, Mufti Minhaj, Mufti Azim, uh, Mufti Azaz and Darussalam Foundation for having me. It's a very great honor to be here. Um, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, the warmth of your love is much more beloved than the warmth of the 70 degrees in California that we're having. Wallahi, and I say that with sincerity, that the warmth and the muhabbat and the love and gathering, your gathering here and your support and your coming and leaving your homes, we're having 70 degree weather in California. But seeing this, that people are ready to eagerly leave their homes in one degree, two degree weather to come and learn about the love of Allah, to learn how to attain the greatest treasure and the greatest thing in this entire universe, the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the scholars, he's mentioned that love is the greatest, love is the most powerful thing in this entire world. And the opposite is hate. These two things are the most powerful forces in this universe. Ibn Qayyim Jawziyah rahimahullah mentions that it is because of love that this entire universe is in motion. Why the sun is in orbit, and why the planets are in movement, and why the celestial and the lower uh, 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 things are in com continuous motion, it is all because of love. 
And he says that those things are in motion because of their sub complete submission and love of Allah Ta'ala. Can you imagine that all of those things, why are they in submission? That the moon is in its orbit because it is in complete submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is not appropriate for the sun to outdo the moon or the moon to outdo the sun. Everything is in its uh, continuous orbit. Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah mentions in a book, this is a three, four hundred page book called The Garden of the Lovers. It's all about love. Three, four hundred page book about love and this is how he begins. That this entire universe, this world, Everything, everything that we see, it moves because of love. If it wasn't for love, nothing would be in motion. If we look at our homes, if we look at our families, why is a husband moved to go and work for his family? Because of the love that he has for his family. Why is it that a wife does for her husband what she does? And why does she put up with what she puts up with? Because of love. Why does a mother sacrifice for her children? Because of love. Why does a child then sacrifice for and cries for the mother? Because of love. This love, brothers and sisters, is the most powerful force in this universe. But it's something very important for us to understand. The difference between ishqi haqiqi and ishqi majazi. The reality of what is real love and what is fake love. What is the difference? Many poets have mentioned, and I wanted to mention some Farsi poetry, if you all don't mind. I'm originally from Afghanistan, so Persian is my mother tongue. So I wanted to read some of these Farsi poets, what they say about the reality of love. One of the poets says, Ishqa joshad Ishqa he says that ishq, the love, if you put it inside of the ocean, it will make the ocean boil like a daig, like a cauldron. If you take this love and you put it upon the mountains, the mountains will crumble. If you take this, uh, this ishq, it will literally, it will penetrate the heavens. This is how powerful this is. But which love? Brothers and sisters, we're, you know, Valentine's Day is very close. You go to the stores, everything's pink, everything's red, everything's hearts, everything's chocolates, right? They're encouraging in this society, love, love this, love that. But what is the reality of love? What is the definition of love? What is true love? What is fake love? What does fake love do to the heart and the iman? And what does the fake love and superficial love do to the heart and the iman? This is just some of the things that I want to discuss tonight. One of the poets also mentions, he says that, ishqi zinda, ishqi la yamut. Just to summarize this, fake love versus true love, my Shaykh Rahmatullah Ali, Maulana Shah Hakim Sab, he has Farsi poetry that he's written on the wazan of the Masnawi. And he says, ishqi zinda, ishqi la yamut. He says, the love of the true ever living. This is true love. When you love Hayyul Qayyum, when you have love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the ever living and who will never die, then when you have love for Him, this gives life to you. Because you're, 
you are loving that which is living. Therefore, when you love him, your heart will come to life. And he says, Ishqa murda misli baytil ankabut. And he says, the love of the dead things. No matter how beautiful a girl might be, no matter how attractive a boy might be, no matter how handsome someone might be, the end result of every beauty is where? Hmm? The final destination of every beauty is old age. The final destination of every uh, 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 beautiful person and the final destination of every living creature is the grave, is fana, is death. كُلُّ مَنْ عَلَيْهَا فَانْ وَيَبْقَى وَجْهُ رَبِّكَ ذُو الْجَلَالِ وَالْإِكْرَامِ Everything on the face of this earth is, will diminish, will be annihilated. The only true thing that will ever remain is the countenance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the that of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the mashayikh say, when you have love for something that is ever living, then you will also be continued. You will also be baqi because your love for Allah ta'ala, Allah is baqi. Allah will ever remain. He was from pre-eternity. He is and He always will be. The one who connects his heart to the ever-living, He will also be given. That ever-living, Allah ta'ala will make him, Allah will make him eternal, Allah will connect him with himself. Ishqi zinda, ishqi la yamut, ishqi murda misli bayt al-ankabut. He says the, the love of these temporary things, the love of murda, the love of the dead things, the love of those things that will ultimately come to an end. What are they? Misli bayt al-ankabut. It is like a spider's web. The love of all these temporary things, misli bayt al-ankabut. It is just like a like a uh, uh, you know the, the the web of a spider, just like the web of a spider. With one flick, it falls apart. The loves and the lusts and the desires and these passions of this world, just like the web of a web of a of a spider. It has no substance. It's fake. It's not real. My Shaykh Rahmatullah used to say, he says, everything has a ghiza. Everything has a nourishment. And the nourishment of the heart is the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything has a nourishment. And the nourishment of the heart is the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says, the doctors say, the doctors say that as, you know, the stronger the nourishment, the stronger will be the result. If you eat strong food, you, 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 you build strong limbs, isn't it? The stronger the food, right? The stronger the result. So my shaykh said that when, 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 food, when the nourishment of the heart is love, when the nourishment of the heart is love, what is the greatest nourishment? It is the love of Allah. Because Allah is the greatest. And He is the only one that can fill this emptiness. He is the only one that can fill that emptiness inside the heart. Anything else that goes inside the heart is not going to nourish the heart. It's going to malnourish the heart. It is going to poison the heart. Even worse. And we will get to that. That how can we bring inside of our hearts that which will enlighten our hearts, that which will strengthen our hearts, that, that which will nourish our hearts. The love of Allah will nourish the heart. And the love of anything else the love, haram love, fake love, lust, the love of wealth, the love of dunya, the love of things that are temporary, all of these things, if we bring that inside of our hearts, what is going to happen? Then the heart will become weakened. 
the iman will become weakened because the nourishment that you're giving it is weak. Rather, the nourishment is poisonous. So understand this very important point. Ishq, the, the love, مِثْلِ بَيْتِ الْعَنْكَبُوتِ and then the Shaykh says, Farq dar majnoonu darman in magar. O balayla man bamawla dar badar. He says, The difference between me and majnoon, Romeo. Shaykh is mentioning his own condition. We have no right to say that we're at that level. But these are the mashaykh. They had such love for Allah. The sacrifices they gave for Allah can, are amazing. Their whole lives are in front of our eyes, how much they sacrifice. So he says, Farq dar majnoonu. Darman, in magar. O balayla man ba dar badar. He says, the difference between me and Romeo is this. That Romeo is running after Juliet, door to door, looking for his beloved, completely lost, losing his mind, losing his sleep, losing his comfort, wanting to kill himself, wanting to commit suicide. This is the difference. And me, I am must and I am in ecstasy out of the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the difference. One person, he's becoming pagal. He's going to Pagal Khana because of his love. He's going to the, you know, uh, he's becoming insane. He wants to commit suicide. She wants to commit suicide. I love him and I can't get him. You know, I'm going to kill myself. One person is losing his life because of this fake love. And another person, out of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's not losing his life. Allah is giving him more life. And not only that, 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 that person who has love with Allah is giving life to others. Subhanallah. Then he continues and he says, Ishq ba murda nabashad payadar. Ishq ba murda nabashad payadar. Ishq ra ba hayyu ba qayyum dar. He says, the love, any love of this world, the love of this world is not continuous. The love of this world will not last. Ishq ra ba hayyu ba qayyum dar. If you're going to have ishq and you're going to love anything, love Hayyul Qayyum, love the ever living, and you will be given ever, everlasting life. When you give your heart to the ever living, Allah will make you ever living. Allah will join you with Him. The love of the temporary things of this world, it is not lasting. Have the love of Hayyul Qayyum, the ever-living and the one who will remain forever. When you connect yourself to His love, Allah Ta'ala will put you, and inshallah we're going to be discussing that. So brothers and sisters, how can we differentiate now between fake love and true love? We see the effects of it. How fake love can destroy a person's life, can destroy a person's iman. And how true love, the love for Allah Ta'ala, it can increase a person, it can revive a person. Inshallah, we, there's a couple of things, you know, we, you know in, in understanding this, inshallah, we will go through this uh, presentation and we'll come to understand. So what shaitan wants to do is he made a promise to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala says, اُخْرُجْ مِنْهَا فَإِنَّكَ رَجِيمٌ Oh shaitan, come out of here. And this is the first example of the one who did not have love for Allah. He had love for something else. He had love of the self. He didn't have love for Allah. He, he was in love with himself. And this is the worst type of love, right? Where you like to look at yourself in the mirror for hours on end. Certain people just love themselves. You know, they'll write a Valentine's card to myself. That's the worst one. 
Shaitan had that. Shaitan had that. He was in love with himself, with nafs. So Shaitan, he wants the same thing. He wants you to be taken away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He wants you to also fall in love with either yourself or anything else that will take you away from the, from the muhabbat haqiqi from the true love. So what promise did he make when he was being kicked out and he disobeyed Allah and he left Allah Ta'ala's submission? He says, لَأُغْوِيَنَّهُمْ أَجْمَعِينَ Oh Allah, I will lead them all astray. And then he says, ثُمَّ لَآتِيَنَّهُمْ مِنْ بَيْنِ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِمْ وَعَنْ أَيْمَانِهِمْ وَعَنْ شَمَائِلِهِمْ وَلَا تَجِدُ أَكْثَرَهُمْ شَاكِرِينَ He says, Oh Allah, your slaves, I'm going to lead them all astray. I'm going to come from in front of them. And I'm going to come from behind them. And I'm going to come from their right sides. And I'm going to come from their left sides. I am not going to leave them. From every side, I'm going to surround them. I'm going to ambush them. لَأَقْعُدَنَّ لَهُمْ سِرَاطَكَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Oh Allah, I'm going to sit right on their path. Right on their pathway, I'm going to be sitting there. And I'm going to try to lead them astray. From in front, from behind, from right, from left. From all sides. So, through two ways shaitan leads astray. He tries and he puts us through two tribulations. Number one are doubts. He tries to put doubts in our mind. Oh, you don't think that all that is for real? You know? Oh, you know, if... You know, Allah Ta'ala created us, then who created Allah? And you know, through, through these type of questions and these type of things, oh, you don't really think the Qur'an was real, do you? Come on, is that stuff for real? All of these types of shubuhat, doubts. And if you're strong in that, and shaitan sees that he can't lead you astray with that, then he will try to lead you through something else. Shahawat, passions. Shubuhat is the intellectual tribulation and test and shahawat is the right physical temptation shaitan through one of these two things he tries to lead you astray so the doubts how did the doubts come inside one's heart number one through ignorance this is how doubts creep in through ignorance a person did not learn his deen a person did not study his deen did not study his religion didn't sit and in, 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 in gatherings of, of knowledge, he doesn't know his religion. So now, that which he doesn't know his religion, CNN, NBC, and all the other gumrah, all the other you know, misleading sources of information is going to lead him astray because he didn't learn his religion. So he will learn it by exposure through all these other, through all these other means. That's why ignorance is the worst it's the worst disease. Maulana Shafali Talbi Rahmatullah in Hayatul Muslimin. He brings seeking knowledge as number one. Seeking knowledge is number one in his book. Why he say that? He says, because ignorance is the root of all evil. Ignorance is the root of all evil. This is where all the fitna begins. That's number one. Number two, through evil company. You might know, but being around that evil company, being around atheists, being around people that mock the religion, being around people that ridicule the religion, doubts start creeping inside your heart. You feel ashamed. You feel, you know, what's, what's happening if you're not strong enough. Or number three, through misinformation. The incorrect information has reached you. So these are one of three ways that shubuhat and doubts enter into your heart. Now the cure. The cure to ignorance is acquiring the knowledge of the Qur'an and Sunnah from the valid and correct sources. That's number one. That's how you remove ignorance. 
learning, sitting in the gatherings of learning, sitting in the company of the scholars and the ulama. Number two, how do you get rid of evil company? The company of the pious scholars and the righteous people. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu taqullah. O you who believe, fear Allah. But how? Kunu ma'asadiqeen. Be with the righteous people who are true in their righteousness. Right? That's number two. Number three, how do you get rid of misinformation? Rectifying one's conceptions and views through attaining of righteous guidance. And that is also through righteous company. Rectifying your conceptions and your views through attaining of righteous guidance. This is something very important. So when shaitan can't destroy the believer through doubts, then he tries to lead you astray, astray through passions, through desires, through shahwat. And passions creep into the heart through number one, the five senses. The eyes, the ears, the smell, the taste, the touch. These are the various, what we see and what we are able to perceive through social media, through Facebook, through Twitter, through internet, through media, through what, you know, everything that is around us, the five senses. Number two, through evil company. The evil company, the people that we're always surrounded around. Passions come inside of us. Coworker, classmate, whatever. You know, these are, you know, hearing and being exposed to these things. And number three, an undisciplined nafs. Because we're all, we all have five senses. Unless you're blind, that's a different issue. But everybody got eyes. You're going to see things. How do you guard yourself? And everybody's exposed to evil company every day. Isn't it? Almost every day. When we go out in the world, we work, we go to school, we're exposed. So this is where the third point comes in here. And undisciplined nafs. You have to have discipline. You have to discipline yourself because in the day and age that we're living in, how are you going to do? Close your eyes? Everybody has to use internet. How are you going to do? Like blindfold yourself and use the internet? How are you going to guard yourself from company? You got to go to work. You got to go to, you got to, go to school. You got to go to the grocery store. You have to, you have to, you know, in, you have to interact with people. So if you don't have a disciplined nafs, that is where the shahawat are going to creep in. Slowly but surely. So the cure to that is number one, the five senses. You guard yourself from the infiltration of passions into the heart. The eyes. This is the gateway to the heart. Ma'ajaladin Rumi rahmatullahi he mentions so beautifully. He says, Chishim bandu, gosh bandu, lab band, garnabini nuri hakbar man bikhand. Allahu Akbar. Close those five senses if you want the nur of Allah inside your heart. Chishim band, close your eyes from evil. Gosh band, close your ears from evil. Lab band. Close your mouth from evil. And if you don't see the light of Allah in your heart, then laugh at me. You will definitely see the light of Allah in your heart. Guard your eyes. Sift it out. Discipline yourself. I'm not going to look at this pornography. I'm not going to look at this girl that's jogging on the side of the road. Why should I look at her? I'm married. I'm dedicated to my wife. My eyes is only for my wife. That is true love. You want to talk about real love, fake love. This is true love. That your eyes are only for your spouse. Guard those eyes. Brothers and sisters, I cannot emphasize this enough. That this is in our tradition of Islam. This is something that I don't know this modern Islam or just this modernist mentality that 
you know, guarding your eyes from the opposite gender, it's not a big deal. This is Quran. Surah An-Nur. This is not the statement of some Molwi. This is not the statement of some Shaykh. This is not the statement of some Sufi person living inside of a cave. Allah Ta'ala says, this is in our tradition, in Islam. Tell the believing men to lower their glances. Is this not in the Quran? Aqimu salata wa atu zakat, right? Pray the prayer, give the zakat. Wa atimmu al-hajja wal lillah. Do the hajj and the umrah for the sake of Allah. Is this not also a verse of the Quran? Tell the believing men to lower their gazes, to lower their eyes from sinful and lustful glances. This is not an ayat of the Quran. Do we believe in a part of the book and disbelieve in another part of it? And again, well, maybe it's okay for the sisters. And tell the believing women to guard their eyes as well. In some places, when you know the speaker, you know, wants a, 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 a you know a barrier or the speaker wants segregation between male and female, they consider that person backwards. They consider him backwards because he's following Qur'an. And look at the tartib. Look at the way Allah is mentioning it. Tell the believing men to guard their eyes. And then their private parts. Indeed, Allah is aware of all that you do. What is that? Because guarding of the eyes or not guarding of the eyes is what depends, what what, what will constitute whether you're able to guard your private part or not. First, it's the glance. Once the glance goes, that is when the private parts follow. And this is the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. So brothers and sisters, this is mafahim yajibu an tusahah. This is a understanding that needs to be rectified. That in our tradition of Islam, in our tradition of Islam, there is a concept of guarding of the eyes. It is also written in the Bible. And it is also in the Torah. I don't have the verses right now. But in the Bible, this is also mentioned. And in the Torah, it is also mentioned. This is not something that some Molwis, you know, living in a cave somewhere, they made it up. This is in our tradition. And majority of the problems in the community is because a person is not guarding this, this one. When you open the door, when the door is left open, what happens? Right now, we leave the doors open completely. What happens? All the elements from outside are going to come in. The cold is going to come in. The freezing weather is going to come in. What do we do? Oh, close the doors, close the doors. Right? So that the freezing weather from outside doesn't come inside. So understand that this heart is the house of Allah. This is where the nur of Allah Ta'ala comes in. The light of Allah Ta'ala comes in. Inna fil jasadi mudra. إِذَا صَلَحَتْ صَلَحَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّهُ وَإِذَا فَسَدَتْ فَسَدَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّهُ أَلَا وَهِيَ الْقَلْبِ Indeed, in the body there's a piece of flesh. If that comes right, everything is right. And if that goes corrupt and off, then everything is off. That piece of flesh is the heart. And what is the gateway to the heart? The eyes, the ears, the tongue. You guard the eyes and the heart will be guarded. So the five senses, guarding oneself from the infiltration of passions into the heart as much as you can. And then some people say, oh, but Shaykh, you know, I go to college, my eye falls on, I go to work, my eye... Look, 
your eye falling on this, that, and the other, that's not a problem. We're talking about the deliberate, intentional look. That a person is deliberately, like people have this habit. They like to park their car, right? And then they just like to see all the other cars that drive by. You know? Or they like to sit in the park. You could see people that have this sickness of bad nazari. Brothers and sisters, this is a very serious sickness. It becomes second nature. It becomes the habit of a person where a person will sit at a, at a park bench. There are certain people, creepy people. Allah guide me, Allah guide all of us. They'll sit there at a park bench and they just go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every, 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 every woman, everybody that goes by, they're just checking them out. This is a sickness of the heart. And it's a sickness related to fantasy and imagination. Because it's much more sicker than we think it is. Because when that person is passing by, it's just not like, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, and then all the other things that come along with it. What I'm doing and you're imagining now, that I'm hugging her, I'm kissing her, I'm in bed with her, and so on and so forth. Everything else comes along with that. What does that do to the heart? Allah Ta'ala gave us this heart so that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala's muhabbat and love can be ingrained and entrenched inside of this heart. So guarding those, inshallah we'll talk about this further. I don't want to, I want to continue on. There's a lot of information I want to cover. Number two, evil company. What's the cure to that? By sitting in the company of the pious and righteous, righteous people. Right now, everybody's in good company. Everybody's in good company right now. Coming to these gatherings, this is extremely beneficial for the cure to these passions. The more continuously you frequent these gatherings, the better it will be, and the more the passions will slowly, slowly start fading away. Do you know what is the benefit of these gatherings? In these gatherings where people gather to remember Allah, the angels say, Oh Allah Ta'ala, these people have been gathered for your remembrance. So Allah Ta'ala says, Oh my angels, I make an announcement that I have forgiven all of them. I have forgiven everyone. So then they say, Ya Allah, there's somebody that came there accidentally. He didn't really mean to come there. Somebody owed him some money. So he came and he's there accidentally. You know, he really did really intend coming to that gathering. So Allah Ta'ala will say, I have forgiven him as well. That person who didn't come for any intention. Why? Because these are such gatherings that anyone who comes in these gatherings will not be left deprived. Allah forgives all your sins. Literally, after you get up from this gathering and you walk out, all of your sins have been cleansed. This is the hadith of the Prophet from Bukhari. So the company of the, and of the pious scholars and righteous people, do not underestimate that. This is one of the cures. No matter what addiction, no matter what uh, sickness, no matter what temptation we are involved in, frequent the gatherings of Allah's remembrance. Frequent these gatherings because this is a cure for the sicknesses of the heart. Number three is an undisciplined nafs. How do you do it? By rectifying one's heart and nafs under the guidance of a qualified shaykh. Working out on your own, you know, what does that do? There's no benefit in that. You're just throwing your arms up. But you get a qualified trainer, then what's going to happen? Huh? That's when, you, when you, that's when you discipline the nafs. You discipline the body under a qualified trainer that's going to tell you, you're lifting wrong. You're benching wrong. You know, you're, 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 you're doing this wrong. He guides you. Man, you're just throwing your arms up. 
What are you doing? And then you got to eat properly, and you got to sleep properly, and you got to take this, and you got to take that, and you got to avoid this, and you got to avoid that. That is when the body becomes disciplined. The discipline of the nafs is just like discipline of the body. You need a trainer. Now, what is love? I, I had to do this, guys. I, I had to go into it. What is love? When Mufti, uh, uh, Mufti uh, uh, Izaz, he sent me, he says, we'd like to invite you, you know, for a program. And I said, sure, why not? And what's the topic going to be? What is love? But it was very beneficial. Because I went and I did a little bit of research. There's over 60 names given to love in the Arabic language. In English, we'd just be like, love. That's what love, love is like, love. In the Arabic language, there's over 60 words. I mean, these were people that were masters of love. They were romantic peoples. Now it's just lust. Now it's just lust, to be frank. People just, you know, they hook up and they do things and that's the end of the story. But at one time, there's something that was love and there was romance and, you know. So the Arabs, you know, they had mastered. And that thing which was very honorable in their sight or that thing which, you know, was very common and that thing which was, you know, very deep in their society, they had many words for it because they were eloquent and articulate people. And the interesting thing is, we learn a lot from fake love by studying this. And this is from the book of Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyyah, Rawdatul Muhibbin. 300-page book, just on love. The name of the book is Garden of the Lovers. So you, you'll all enjoy this, inshallah. Each word in the Arabic language which defines, it defines an effect or the consequence of that emotion. And we're going to mention some of them. Okay? So these are some of the names. These are, there was, there was over, you know, 60 of them mentioned. I chose 10. Okay? I chose 10. Number one is Al-Hawa. Hawa. And Hawa is the inclination of the heart towards something. Hawa is any inclination that your heart has towards something. And from the same word, you get the word as-sukut, which means to fall. Like they say, man, I fell in love. I fell in love. Yeah, because, you know, if you fall in love in the wrong way, it'll literally make you fall on your face and disgrace you and humiliate you. So this is an interesting thing. One of the names of Jahannam is Hawiyah. One of the names of hellfire. And this is also, you know, Suratul Hawiyah. Allah Ta'ala mentions, because it's a pit and you fall inside and there's no end to it. Hawa. It means literally to fall. And it is known as such because it makes a person fall and plunge into the depths of disgrace. Number two, Sha'af. Ash-Sha'fu. And this means to burn the heart to burn the heart and make sick. And it comes from the word ish'af, which is the, it's interesting, the pericardium. And this is the thin membrane that covers the heart. And it is called this because love enthralls, attaches, and covers the heart like the pericardium does. Understand? So, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a thin skin that covers the heart. And that is called sh'af. 
And it, actually this is, this is shagaf. And this is called because it enthralls, attaches, and it covers the heart like this skin that covers the heart. So in the, in the, the Arabs, they call love also shaf. Wajd. Wajd. This is another word. Is that love which is followed by unfulfillment and ultimate, ultimately sadness. So look at all of these things that people consider love. It's, you're, not fulfill, you're not getting fulfilled. And it eventually it leads unto sadness. And wajd also comes from the word wajada, to find something. So it gives the opposite meaning, that you fall into wajd, meaning you never find it. You're just aimlessly, desperately looking for, you know, Mr. Perfect or Mrs. Perfect. At-tatayyum. At-tatayyum is that love which degrades and enslaves. Meaning you fall in love with somebody, you literally become a slave. And you become degraded. And you become humiliated. You become lowly. These are, imagine, these are names. Because this is what it does to you. Fake love. This is what it does. Number, this is a good one. Khilaba. Deception. Plain and simple. Khilaba. Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah says, this is the most appropriate term for love. Out of all the terms. Ibn Qayyim chooses this one. He says, this one, it's khilaba. It's a deception. Because it deceives a person, it deceives a person, and it renders him blind and deaf to reality. You become blind, you become deaf, you don't see your consequences, you don't see the end. You know, you don't see your parents, you don't see your children, you don't see your husband, you don't see your wife, you don't see your future, that's it. You're blind, you're completely gone, you're deceived, you're deluded. Ishq. Ishq. And this is the word that we've been using from the beginning. Ishq, according to Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah, is not appropriate for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says this is the most bitter and worst of all the terms used for love. And it is the most extreme level of love. And the grammarian and exegete of the Quran, Imam Az-Zujaj, he says, it is derived from a tree known as the Ashiqa tree, which turns green, then it thins out, and it turns yellow and withers away. And he says, that's not appropriate to use for Allah. When you say, ishq, I have the ishq of Allah. But the thing is, why do we, we use it in Farsi and Urdu language? Because Farsi and Urdu language, that is the word for love. It comes from Farsi. But when you Arabicize it, it gives this specific meaning. And it causes a person to wither. It causes a person, you know, for something that was, you know, successful and prosperous, it makes you fall. It makes you... And we have seen... Youngsters, they fall in love and they're in college. They're doing bad on their exams. They're failing their tests. They're doing bad at school. They start doing drugs. They start, you know, drinking. What happens? It starts making you wither away. In reality, you start withering away. And this is the fiqh al-lughah. This is how deep the Arabic language is. Subhanallah. And scholars have differed whether this word can be used for love, of, for, love for Allah. Some allow it and others do not based on the following points. Number one, based upon Quran and Hadith. Hence, no word should be used for Allah which is not befitting for His Majesty. The word ishq has not been used in a Hadith or in any ayat of Quran. 
So some scholars say it's not appropriate to say ishq because it means to wither away. And when you love for when you have love for Allah, you're not withering away. You're increasing. You're prospering. Number two, because ishq is considered excessiveness in love. And there is no excessiveness in the love of Allah. Subhanallah. One can never love Allah Ta'ala enough. You can never have enough love of Allah Ta'ala. And ishq means excessive love. There's no excessive love for Allah. The more love you have for Allah, the better it is. Number three, because this word is rooted in withering away and deteriorating. And the one who loves Allah Ta'ala can never deteriorate. The love of Allah only blossoms, increases, and prospers. He's blossoming constantly like a flower. My Shaykh, Rahmatullah he's 80 years old. Literally, like this was a man that he said, Alhamdulillah, in my entire life, he says, I've always watched my eyes. And you know, he was somebody that was saying, it might be difficult for us to even believe this. But he says, in my entire life, I have never let my gaze deliberately fall on something which is shameful, which is nudity in my life, other than that which was halal. And we would see him at the age of 80. You have people that are ready to you know, completely give their lives, sit in the company of you know, this shaykh, get the blessings of the shaykh, get the du'as of the shaykh. Why? Because these people had sacrificed them. Even at that age, they're blossoming more and more. They're becoming more and more beautiful as the day goes by. Al-Wahal. This is another word. The author of Lisan al-Arab says, this word which is used for love indicates to a combined state of weakness, shock, and cowardice. You know like when a lover, yeah, go ask her on a date. Oh, but I'm so shy. And he starts becoming, you know, he starts shaking, he starts getting sweaty palms, and you know, he's getting, you know, uh, the butterflies, and he's becoming cowardice. That's what love does. It makes a person become, you know, weak, go into shock, and become a coward. And Ibn Qayyim rahimullah says, this is the effect that beauty has upon the heart. Beauty, it makes a person become cowardice. It makes a person go into shock, become weak. Because it takes control of the heart and it subjugates the heart. Another word, these are all interesting words, huyam. Make sure you don't name your kids these names, you know? So people like exotic names. You know, I'm naming, naming my daughter this. I'm like, please don't name your daughter that, okay? Where did you find that name? Oh, you know, it was in this really book about love. Huyam. I'm going to name my son Huyam. <laughs> people love those exotic names. You know, just name him Abdullah, you know? What's wrong with that? Mad love. Huyam is mad love, which is derived from naqatun hayma, a sickness that afflicts camels when they wander the pasture and they do not graze. When they would see camels, they're just wandering around and they're not grazing, they're not eating. That's what happens. You know, guys, you know, madly in love, you know, he's not eating, he's not drinking, he's completely lost, you know, he's dazing into the into the sky, you know. He's very, he gets airy-fairy, you know, he starts dazing into nothingness, you know. So this comes from that naqatun hayma, that camel who gets afflicted by the sickness is wandering in the pasture, not grazing. Or naqatun hayman, a severely thirsty camel. Bilkul pagal, you know. The pagal camel starts going crazy. Allah Ta'ala mentions, may Allah Ta'ala save us all, 
about the drinking of the people of hellfire. How will they drink? Right? Shurb al-heem. They will be drinking it. Shurb al-heem. They'll be drinking the water of the hellfire like the thirsty camels. And they uses the word heem. Same root word. So this is there, there's this madness, right, in this. It makes a person completely become, you know, lose his senses. Now, very interesting thing, love. Now you know where the, where the word love comes from. It comes from Arabic. You guys heard of love? Love. This is the Arabic word, love. Love comes from the Arabic word, love. You know, they just dropped the ha and they made it v. And this is, this is the meaning of love. I love you, darling. Don't say that. Love in the Arabic language is grieving and lamenting. Heartbreak. Overwhelming distress. And the Arabs used to say, Ya lahfa fulanin. Alas, the loss of so-and-so. Ya lahfa fulanin. Oh, the lahf of such and such person. In other words, when it leads to lament, heartbreak, overwhelming distress. Imagine the word love that we use in the English language comes from the Arabic word which means to lament, to be heartbroken, to be overwhelmed by distress. That is not what love is supposed to do. True love. Now we save the best for last. What is the word that Allah Ta'ala uses for His love? Allah uses the word Al-Mahabbatu Wal-Hubb. And this is interesting why Allah uses this word out of all the 60 words in the Arabic language. Because this word is derived from Safa, which means purity, clarity, sincerity, serenity. Allahu Akbar. Hubb and Mahabba, it comes from clarity, purity, sincerity, serenity. Many other roots have been attributed to this, but purity stands out the most. And perhaps this is why it is the particular word for love that Allah Ta'ala uses for the love that He has for His servants and the love that they have for Him. Allahu Akbar. Imagine the word that Allah selected. The Qur'an is a very dynamic book. The Qur'an was revealed in the language of Arabs. And of all of the 60 words that Allah Ta'ala could select, He didn't use laf. He didn't use huyam. Right? Or sha'af. He didn't use any of these words. Allah used the word mahabba and hub. Because mahabba and hub is the most pure, sincere word to indicate that the one who falls in love with Allah and the one who loves for Allah and for the sake of Allah, this love is the most sincere love. It is most clear and serene love. Allah Ta'ala says, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَتَّخِذُ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادًا يُحِبُّونَهُمْ كُحُبِّ اللَّهِ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ and some people make for themselves gods, objects of worship, other than Allah, which they try to love as they should love Allah. And the believers are more intense in their love for Allah. So the word that Allah Ta'ala uses is hub and mahabba. Now, when we're talking about fake love versus true love, Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah in this book, he mentions there are three types of love that are positive and healthy loves. Because now the question might arrive, 
you know, the question might arise, but I love my wife. Or I love my husband. Now, is that fake love or is that true love? So we're going to explain that. I love my parents. So is that love of Ghayrullah? Is that love of someone other than Allah? I love the Prophet ﷺ. Is that love of Ghayrullah? So we're going to learn, absolutely not. This is also the love of Allah. It's love for the sake of Allah. So three types of love that are positive and healthy, and three types of love that are negative, fake, and harmful, superficial. Okay? So true love, number one, the muhabbat of Allah. The muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala Himself. That can, you can never go lo- wrong loving Allah. Number two, muhabbat fillah. When you love somebody for the sake of Allah. For example, I love all of you for the sake of Allah. And all of you love me for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. This is love. This is not love of Allah Himself directly. But why are we sitting here? Why are you coming to listen to me? And why am I speaking to you? Because I love you for the sake of Allah and you love me for the sake of Allah. Why do we say to somebody, Assalamu alaikum, my brother. Why do you say my brother? Because there's a love there. There's a connection there. This is love for the sake of Allah. The love of wife. The love of children. You're not loving them just because you love them, but you're loving them because Allah has commanded you to love them. Allah, brothers and sisters, Allah commanded us to love our children, to take care of them. But what's the balance? That our love for our children, our love for our wife, our love for our business should not be more than the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's where the balance is. As long as we love Allah ta'ala more, then our love for children and our love for our wife and our love for our kids and our love for our business and our love for money, if we love Allah Ta'ala more than that, then there's no, no problem in loving them. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبَّ لِلَّهِ My Shaykh Rahmatullah he said, he says, he says your love for Allah should be ashad. And your love for everything else can be shadid. No problem. As long as your love for Allah is ashad. وَإِنَّهُ لِحُبِّ الْخَيْرِ لَشَدِيدٍ and indeed, mankind in love of wealth, he is very intense. No problem. Your love for wealth can be intense. But not more intense than the love of Allah. So when Allah Ta'ala commands you, now you got you to gotta take out your wealth. You got to give that zakat. You got to go for hajj. Now when your love of wealth holds you back from spending in the path of Allah, now your love for wealth has become more than the love of Allah. Now your love for wealth is harmful. When you're sitting with your wife and kids at home, oh, this is my family time, I'm not going to go to the masjid. This is my family time, I'm not going to go for Juma namaz. This is my family time, you know, I'm, you know I can't leave my family and, and, and go to the masjid. Whereas the Prophet wasallam, when Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu anha, she was asked, how was the Prophet at home? He said, He would laugh with us, he would joke with us, he would have a good time with us. And he would help us in the chores of the house. He would be involved. But then when the time of prayers would come, As if he did not know us and we didn't even know him. Huh? Who is this person? He would just be gone. That's it. He would leave for the masjid. As if he didn't know us and we didn't know him. Subhanallah. This is, he has, the Prophet has shown us that we love our families. And we spend time with them. And we laugh with them. And we enjoy with them. But 
not more than our duties and our responsibilities of deen. Loving for the sake of Allah. And number three, muhabbatu ma yu'inu ala ta'atillah wajtinabi ma'asiyatihi. Loving that which draws you close to the obedience of Allah or distant from his disobedience. For example, I'll just give one example just off the top of my head. A person really loves sports. But he doesn't love sports just because of sports. He loves sports because it keeps him away from trouble. He loves sports because it gives him strength to make ibadah, to worship Allah. He loves sports because it keeps him away from negative activities. It keeps him away from running after girls or running after boys, for example. So he loves that because it helps him to become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is completely permissible. And that is completely jayz. Because it is a means of something that will lead you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like my love for books. My wife told me that if you get another book, then the books are going to be outside. You know, so we, you know, we have, to, have to smuggle the books in the house one way or the other. You know, we have a smuggling program of how we can get the books somewhere. To, hey, wait a minute, isn't that a new book? There's no more place to put your books. But because these things, it brings the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are books which... From this one book, I hope my wife is listening to this. From this one book that I got, subhanAllah, the whole majlis is benefiting. Right? This can be a whole lecture. This brings us closer to recognizing Allah. It brings us closer to realizing and attaining the ma'rifat and recognition of Allah. Subhanahu wa this anything that brings you close to the remembrance of Allah and brings us closer to His obedience, then loving of those things and loving of that hobby or loving of that anything. That activity, this is also included in the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fake love. What is fake love and negative love? Number one, to equate something in love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is very, very dangerous. This is very, very dangerous. There was a person that he was so in love, and it mentions in this kitab, Rawdatul Muhibbin. And this is one of the dangers of these love affairs. And it is one of the dangers of evil glances that there was a person, he was so in love with a woman that he was on his deathbed. And all he would do is sing poetry. So, they, so they're telling this person on his deathbed, read La ilaha illallah, say La ilaha illallah, say the kalima, say the shahada, die with kalima, die with shahada. So then he started singing this poetry. And the last breaths that he's taking, he says, رِضَاكِ أَشْهَى إِلَىٰ فُؤَادِ مِنْ رَحْمَةِ الْخَالِقِ الْجَلِيلِ وَلَأْيَاذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنْ ذَلِكِ Look at what he says. This is in this book. He said, this person was on his last, he was taking his last breaths, and they're telling him, say the kalima. He said, I will not say the kalima, but I will say this. These are my dying words. The, the, the pleasure of my beloved. And one glance at my beloved is more beloved to me than the mercy of Allah. Just, just to have one glance at her is more beloved to me than, than the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. I don't, I don't want Allah's mercy. A'udhu Billah. A'udhu Billah. This, that. Something where you're equating the love of that with the love of Allah. That I don't want that. I don't want the mercy of Allah. I want her. And this is how you become deceived. This is how you become sick. This is how the heart becomes misguided. This is how the heart becomes deluded. This is how the heart becomes overwhelmed. And number two, muhabbatu ma yubghidhu Allah, to love something which Allah Taala hates. 
loving something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates, we know that Allah ta'ala doesn't like this action. Oh, but I like this. I want to do this. I want to do this activity. This is my love. This is my, my hobby in my life. But this is something that Allah ta'ala dis- is displeased with. This is something that Allah ta'ala dislikes. This is something that Allah ta'ala will not be happy with. So for you to love something that Allah ta'ala hates, this is also very, very dangerous. Number three, مَحَبَّةُ مَا تَقْطَعُ مَحَبَّتَهُ عَنْ مَحَبَّةِ اللَّهِ أَوْ تَنْقُصُهُ Any love that cuts one off from the love of Allah or diminishes it. So any love where you're equating something with Allah, to love something which Allah Ta'ala does not like, how do you know what Allah Ta'ala likes and what Allah Ta'ala hates? Right? That's known in the Sharia, that's known in the Quran and Sunnah. So anything which is haram, and is mentioned to be haram in the Quran and Sunnah, to have love for that, this is something that is going to take you away from Him. And anything that cuts you off from Allah Ta'ala, that is also something that will, is fake and it is very harmful. Now, more than anything else, that thing which leads to this harmful, to equate something with Allah, to love something which Allah Ta'ala hates, for example, somebody, a man, a man says, right? I love this man. I love him. And I want to marry him. You love something that Allah Ta'ala hates. This homosexuality of yours, this is not loved by Allah Ta'ala. Brothers and sisters, this is something, this is not a matter of, you know, people saying Islam needs to be reformed. There needs to be room for homosexuals in the masjid. There needs to... Look, there's room for everyone in the masjid. Whether, homo, whether a person is homosexual, whether a person is an alcoholic, whether a person is an addict, whether a person has any other problem or any other sickness, without a doubt, everyone is welcome in the house of Allah Ta'ala. Everyone. But now to say that, I love this and I'm going to love it over the Qur'an, over the hadith, over your dead body, you're loving something that is cutting you off from Allah. And you're loving something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates. Allah does not like this. And where does it say that? It says that in the Quran, it says that in the Bible, it says that in the Torah, in all of the scriptures. This is in every suhuf. This is in every scripture. So how do these things lead? It is from the glance. It is from the eyes. It is allowing that lust to overwhelm the heart. And you don't say, Oh my heart, I will not allow you to bring that love inside your heart. I will not allow you to bring that love inside of your heart. Because you might be beloved to me, but Allah Ta'ala is more beloved to me than anything else. Because if I love you, I have you in this world. But what is going to, what is going to be my end? What is going to be my death? What is going to be in my grave? You love this person right now. Will that person be able to help you at the time of death? Will that person be able to help you in the grave? Will that person be able to... Will you be holding hands with your lover inside of the grave? Will, be, will you be standing with that lover Yawm al-Qiyamah before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What will it be like when you're holding hands with that lover in front of Allah Yawm al-Qiyamah? So these are those, those sinful glances which this is the beginning of it. And there are two kinds of harms. One are the spiritual harms and one are the physical, mental, social harms. 
One aspect is the spiritual, what it does to your soul, what it does to your heart, what it does to your ruh and your spirit. And secondly, what it does to every other aspect of your life. So number one, the spiritual harms. It takes away the light of the heart. When a person is casting evil glances, when a person is opening up the gateways, the floodgates, right? It enters through the eyes, that darkness, and it enters inside of the heart. Number two, it replaces it with darkness. That light that was inside of the heart is now replaced and darkness inside the heart. And number three, eventually, eventually after some time, it takes away the ability to discern the truth from falsehood. Somebody might say, where did you get this from? It takes away the light of the heart. Brothers and sisters, may Allah Ta'ala save us. Any nude picture, even one glance at a pornographic picture, if a person doesn't feel that darkness comes inside of his heart, then his heart is dead. Any normal human being, a child which is innocent, one glance at pornography is sufficient to make that child feel that this is something which is disgusting. It is sick. There was a young child, a, a, a person that I knew when he said, he was telling a story when he was a young child. He said, the first time that I saw something which was pornographic when I was 12 years old. And said, the first time when I had seen this and I was exposed to this, he said, Wallahi, I was sick for three days. I was sick. I started getting a fever and I was vomiting and I had diarrhea. And my mother asked me, you know, what, what's wrong with you? I have to take you to the hospital. I said, no, ma, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. This was Allah. He says, that was the first and it was the last time. It was the blessing of Allah Ta'ala that such darkness entered into my heart for that glance of pornography, being amongst bad friends. There's a couple of friends, we're at their house. Oh, my mom's not here. Hey, let me show you something, guys. Put in the v something in the VCR. Look at this. The young man said, he said, I was so sick to my stomach that I came home and I started vomiting. And I had a fever for three days. To such an extent that my mom said, I'm going to take you to the hospital. What is this? You got some flu or something? He said, no, 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 I'll be okay, mom. It's not a flu. It's something else. Forget that. Anyone who has any innocence, brothers and sisters, forget even being a Muslim. Any human being, this pornography and this nudity, it is dehumanizing. What is the first thing that shaitan did to our mother and father Adam? What was the first thing? Shaitan took away their clothes to disgrace our mother and father. This is the first thing that happened to them, is that they became naked. This nakedness is azab. This nakedness is a punishment. Understand this. This nakedness was how shaitan wanted us to become degraded and humiliated and disgraced. Don't consider this as a, it's no big deal. This is a very big deal. In Jannah, everybody story, heard the story of Adam and Hawa. What was the first thing that happened to him? Shaitan knew that if they're going to do this, their jannati libas will be snatched away from them. Their clothes of paradise will be taken away from them. And they looked at themselves, they said, what is this? They were shocked. Because this is the natural fitrat of insan. That when he sees nakedness, he becomes shocked, he becomes appalled. He doesn't become excited. He becomes shocked. He becomes appalled. Right? They started to look for any leaves of paradise to cover their private parts. 
What happens to a person when he is showing his nudity? What happens? What dehumanizing factors go through a person's mind that a woman is putting herself to be shown in a pornographic movie? What happens? First and foremost, they go against fitrat. There was a, there was a stripper who was giving an interview about her life. She said, how do you feel when you are stripping? She said, at first you feel very embarrassed. Listen to this. May Allah guide our brothers and sisters. May Allah guide our sisters. This is the story of a Muslim sister. That's why brothers and sisters, when we talk about homosexuality, when we talk about sexual perversions, everybody is Everybody is welcome in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter what, no matter what sickness you have, no matter what problem you have, continue to come to the house of Allah ta'ala. The door of Allah is always open for you. You are always welcome, no matter who you are. Just understand that this is a struggle that you have to overcome. This is a struggle. It's, this, it's a temptation that we all have temptations. This is your temptation that you have to overcome. This sister was saying, at first, I'm thinking about my mom. And I'm thinking about my Islamic upbringing. And I'm thinking about how I was raised. And it is so embarrassing, but I got to do it for money. And I'm, I was never a good Muslim, but I knew that this is something wrong. Until, listen to this, Allahu Akbar, brothers and sisters, this makes, makes the heart of a person bleed. Until she said that a time comes where you feel like you don't have a soul anymore. Allahu Akbar. Until a time comes where you feel inside that I am empty inside. I don't have a soul anymore. And then because of that emptiness, because of that, 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 that the darkness that is inside the heart, you drink, you use drugs, and you get yourself drunk and high in order to numb the pain. To numb the pain of that guilt and to numb the pain of that emptiness that you're feeling and that separation and distance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu Akbar. It takes away the light of the heart. It replaces it with darkness. And it takes away the ability to discern truth from falsehood. And she said that a time came when I didn't even care anymore. I didn't even care anymore. And this hadith is narrated by Huzaifa radiallahu anhu that the trials and tribulations will present themselves upon the hearts in succession, one after another. Meaning, the sins will come, temptations will come, pornography will come, strip clubs will come, girls will come, guys will come, homosexuality will come. All of these desires will present themselves to your heart, one after another. Like you guys in Chicago, out here in the Midwest, you got these like billboards. These billboards are temptations literally presenting themselves just like this hadith and how the prophet gave the example in succession like the breaking of the twines of a mat you guys seen a mat when you rip it and then the, 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 the twines they break one after another after another similarly just like those, those billboards one after another after another they're presenting themselves to your heart because they go here and then they go here they enter here and then they enter here they go inside the eyes and then they enter inside the heart. And then you're, now you're in a tug of war. Do you fantasize on that? Do you add on that? Right? Such and such strip club. 
such and such men's club. It's not men's club, it's Begheret's club. Men, the reality of chivalry, the reality of mardaniyat is guarding of the eyes. A true man, a mard, not a Begheret, is the one who will guard his eyes, not the one who will let his eyes loose. This is a true man. Why? Because he has ghayrat. That this woman that's going, this sister that is going, this sister is somebody's wife. This sister might be somebody's mother. This sister might be somebody's sister. This sister might be somebody's auntie. And just like I don't want somebody to look at my sister, my mother, my wife, my daughter, in this shameless, lustful glance, I will not cast lustful glances at anybody's sister, mother, auntie, whatever. This is ghayrat. This is the taqaza of ghayrat. My Shaykh Rahmatullah said that Allah has revealed these ahkam according to our natural temperament. Every, does, anybody, does any man like it? That uh, uh, somebody should look at his mother with lustful gaze, gaze, gazes? You got a hot mom. You like somebody to tell you that? If you have any ghayrat, you will not like it. You got a pretty hot wife. Yeah, here in this country, it's probably, you know, somebody, you know, giving you a compliment. It's not a compliment according to our culture. I'm sorry. If I got a hot wife, my wife is hot for me, not for you. Guard your eyes or you can swallow your teeth, you know? Don't, you know, don't do that. But just I'm saying, that's natural, that's the natural inclination of a person. What happens? And this is exactly what evil glances is. That person that you're looking at outside, some people have the habit, at the masjid, at Islamic gatherings, at Islamic conferences, people are going there looking at somebody else's sister, looking at somebody else's daughter. I wouldn't want that for my sister or my daughter, but khair. So these are, right, one after another. The sins come upon the heart. Any heart, the Prophet says, any heart that absorbs and allows the entrance of these sins into his heart, then a black dot appears on his heart. A, a, a piece of rust appears on his heart. And any heart that refuses the entrance of these sins into his heart, then a light will appear into his heart until the heart becomes one of two hearts. Number one, that heart which is polished and shines and no trial or tribulation can affect it as long as the heavens and the earth remains. As long as the heaven and the earth remains. And number three, number, the next is that heart which is darkened upside down like a cup upturned, which cannot realize good as good, nor does it recognize sin as sin, except that which his desires dictate. In other words, this hadith is telling us that when you continuously cast evil glances without making tawbah, the heart becomes rusted, the heart becomes covered, until the heart cannot recognize sin as sin. It's not a sin anymore. And it doesn't recognize good as good. Also, these evil glances, they are poisonous arrows of shaitan. And this poison, it slowly destroys one faith and deeds. The Prophet ﷺ, he mentions a hadith Qudsi. Another sahmum min sihami iblis. Another sahmum min masmumun min sihami iblis. Verily, the sinful glance is a poisonous arrow from the arrows of shaitan. Allah Ta'ala says, مَن تَرَكَهَا مِن مَخَافَتِي أَبْدَلْتُهُ إِيمَانًا يَجِدُ حَلَاوَتُهُ فِي قَلْبِهِ Anyone who leaves these glances, anyone who guards his glances and says, you know what, I'm going to be porn free. 
I'm not going to be looking at any more of this filth. I'm not going to be checking out any, no more deliberate evil glances. That anyone who leaves it, Allah will replace the bitterness of it, right? Because it's, it's pretty bitter. When you see somebody walking down the street, or you see a girl from the side of your eyes, or you're sitting next to a girl at school, and you know that she's you know, very attractive, or there's a guy, and you know he's very attractive, and you guard yourself from him, or you guard yourself from her. How bitter is that? How difficult it is that? And when you tolerate that bitterness, and you tolerate that pain, what do they say? No pain, no gain. When you tolerate that pain, what happens? Abdaltuhu imanan yajidu halawatuhu fi qalbihi. Allah will replace the bitterness with such faith that you will taste the sweetness of it. The sweetness of that faith, you will actually taste it. Meaning, you will feel it. It will, it will actually move you. It will actually benefit you. Everybody has faith. But whose faith is the true faith? that will be with him in the time of death, that will be with him in the grave, that will be with him and benefit him yawm al-qiyamah, it is this faith that has halawat in it. Number six, he becomes a perpetrator of lesser fornication. When you are, you know, when you are casting sinful glances at pornography or at nude pictures or at something which is inappropriate, actually the Prophet says that you, are the, you, you become fornicator of the eyes. You know? And if continued without repentance, this will eventually lead to greater fornication. And this is what generally happens to people that constantly view pornography. They constantly look at things which are inappropriate. They're looking at it, they do zina with the eyes. Then that zina with the eyes leads them to do zina with the private parts. Isn't it? It first starts with the eyes, then it goes into the heart. And then the heart says, do or don't do. And sometimes it becomes so overwhelming that it becomes uncontrollable. And it will lead to greater fornication. And the Prophet ﷺ mentioned this hadith. Zina al-ayni al-nadhar wa zina al-lisani al-mantiq wa nafsu tatamanna wa tashtahi wal-farju yusaddiqu ghalika kullahu aw yukadhibahu The fornication of the eyes is the deliberate glance. That's why I keep saying deliberate. Deliberate glance. The fornication of the tongue is to deliberately converse. And in another hadith it says, the fornication of the hands is to grab. And now we have the special fornication of the hands, right? Where we're texting, sexting. What do they call it? They call it sexting. The Prophet also mentioned that 1400 years ago, fornication of the hands. And eventually the private parts enact the sinful deed or abstain from it makes you, the eyes is what makes you eventually fall into that sin. And there's a lot of people, brothers and sisters, may Allah save us. I know this, this topic is a very mature topic. It is a very adult topic, but it is not a beat around the bush topic. I can't sit here and beat around the bush and not mention the points. There are people, everybody heard of, you know, everybody's probably heard of Ted Bundy. He was a serial rapist and a killer. This was, I think, in the 80s or 90s. And the person had killed over 20 women, raped them, and then murdered them. Do you know in his final message, and his final message that he had to people, it was, a, it was actually a documentary, an interview that they did with this person, who was a serial rapist. After he would rape them, he would kill them. What did he say? He said, I was raised in a very Christian family. 
Our parents were very involved in our lives. We were not people like junkies. We were very educated. My mother and father were graduated from this university. I graduated from this university. I actually heard the link. I heard him speak and say this. And we were from what you call a perfect household and a perfect family. We're not like a messed up, you know, uh, broken down home and my dad was messed up and my mom was messed up and I was sexually abused while I was, you know, growing up and this is why I started doing this. No. He says, I started to get into pornography. And he says, it got so hardcore that it, it just regular, the pornography was not doing it. I wanted to enact those things that I saw. This is what the Prophet ﷺ is saying. That this is, when you're watching that gang rape in India, do you know what's an epidemic in India? Gang rape. Can you imagine? 17, 18, 19 year old guys, 10 of them get together and they rape a girl. What, where? Where? How? It is through these mobiles. It is through this pornography and this shamelessness. Because watching it is not enough anymore. It's not enough. What does it feel like to do that? If it feels so good to watch it, how good must it feel when you do it? But brother, the difference is, is those are actors. This is real life. This is a human being. This is a human being. This is a living person. This is not an actor. Wake up. And this is what this, is what this guy was saying. He says, it was not enough to just watch it. We had to enact it. And he says, I've been in jail for a long time now. I've been in jail a long time. And all of the people that had the same problem that I have, do you know what they say? They said it all started with our connection with pornography. An overwhelming majority of the criminals that are in prison that I spoke to and I've discussed with them for hours, I've been talking to them. An overwhelming majority of them said that this is how it comes about. Brothers and sisters, there's no such thing as soft porn. There's no such thing as looking at some nude picture. That is how all of this starts. Don't say that this is okay and that is not okay. It's all wrong. It's all bad. There is no good of it and there is no bad of it. The good of it is bad. There is no good. But what they tell you is good. This is soft and this is hard. It's all haram. And it will all lead to the same thing. It all lead to the same destination. Number eight, these are the harms. A person becomes a disobedient servant of Allah. What is a disobedient servant of Allah? You're a baghi. You're away from the farman bardari of Allah Ta'ala. You're a nafarman banda. You are a nafarman banda. A runaway slave. Right? We are all slaves of Allah. This is our honor. Don't run away from Him. We are all slaves. It's our honor to be the slave of Allah. But when you are disobeying him, you are running away from him. And what happens when you run away from the master? All the problems come when you're, running, when you're away from him. All the issues and all the problems and all the worries and all the musibat and all the calamity comes when you become disobedient of Allah Ta'ala. Number nine, peace of mind, contentment of heart are snatched away. Number ten, one is eventually cursed with su'ul khatima and evil end. May Allah protect us all. That's the end result. You guys heard the poem that I read. Ibn Khayyim rahimullah mentions the person, he's dying on his deathbed, but because of the evil glances, his heart has become entrenched with the love of Ghayrullah, of non-Allah. What is he saying at the time of death? Not the kalima. 
Not the kalima. When any distress comes, when any worry comes, when any hardship comes, then you quickly want to run to the pornography. Because the pornography is the only thing that gives you peace of mind and contentment of heart. May Allah save us. Can you imagine? Man, I'm really stressed out. I'm so stressed out. You know what I'm going to do when nobody's watching? I'm going to go watch some porn and relieve myself. Imagine when you will be or I will be or any of us will be in that situation when we are in the most distressful time, which is at the time of death. And at that time, shaitan will come. Wouldn't you just want to watch a porno right now? Imagine that that thought comes to you at the time of death. And this is how it comes because you have made that your outlet. We have made, if a person makes that his peace of mind and contentment of heart, then it will come and it will attack him at that time when you know, he wants nothing but Allah. But if we make Allah our peace of mind and contentment of heart, then that is what will come at the time of death. May Allah grant us death and husn al-khatima. Now, the physical, mental, and social harms. Number one, it leads to addiction. Right? These are just some of the dangers of evil glances. So, this addiction, it starts, right, like any addiction. It starts very small. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not a heavy drinker. You know? There was somebody sitting next to me on the plane on the United flight here, just, you know, to make it a little bit easy. You know, we're getting a little bit serious. So there's a person sitting next to me on the plane. Um, so I said, you know, what would you like to drink, sir? What would you like to drink? He said, I like white wine. Please make it two. So he was like, you know, the lady was like, would you like a cup or would you like straight out of the bottle? So look what he says. Oh, I'm not there yet. You know, just give me a cup. I'm not, I'm not there at that level to be drinking, you know, wine straight out of the bottle. In other words, they know that you start, it starts drinking from the cup and it ends drinking straight out of the bottle and becoming completely lost. Becoming a, you know, an addict. So nothing, any addiction, it doesn't start so easy. It starts with that one sip. It starts with that one cup. It starts with that one glance. It starts with that few minutes. Right? And the body urges for another hit. Right? And these are the, these are the stages. Addiction, escalation, desensitization. And then you, act, start, you, you start wanting to act it out sexually. It's addiction. Then after you're addicted, it's escalation. It escalates. And after it escalates, then it gets to desensitization. Where you don't even consider it a sin anymore. And then when it become, you become desensitized, you know what? You have to enact it. I want to see what it's like. And why this, is, why this is dangerous. Why the evil glances and pornography and all these things are so dangerous, brothers and sisters. Because of the fact that when a person is involved in that, dopamine, melatonin, all of these things, these, these chemicals in the brain are released, which makes you feel good, which makes you feel relaxed. And then what happens is, because at that experience, when you did that, when you watched that, the brain released dopamine. The brain released melatonin. The brain released these chemicals that made you feel good. Now the brain takes note of that. The brain remembers, oh, I feel bad now. What was the last thing that I did that made me feel good? It was watching that video. Then the brain will force you and the brain will automatically urge you to go towards that to do that again. And that is where the, 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 this crazy cycle 
right, starts forming. Number two, destruction of marriage and intimacy. What is this? This is a, right, when a person is looking at the opposite gender, when a person is looking at other people's wives, now they have all of these Ashley Madison and all these other shaitanic and mal'oon and la'na type of things, right? Where you could, you know, do adultery as an app. There's an app for adultery. There's an app for hookups. And you could just go and get hooked up and you can go and commit zina. And what's the first thing that happens when you do this, right? It completely destroys your marriage and it destroys your intimacy. Your wife is not that actor in that movie. She can't do those things. She's a Sharif. She's a Sharif human being. She's the daughter of somebody. Just like you wouldn't imagine something for your daughter to do something like that. You, the, your wife is the daughter of somebody. How can, you, how can you imagine to do such a thing? And it destroys the intimacy. And it destroys a marriage. And we have seen too, many of this, too much of this. Number three, decreased excitement and satisfaction. Right? Research has shown that repeated exposure to pornography, it results in diminished sexual arousal. Person is not, you know, aroused by normal things anymore. And again, that also leads to a person's, you know, marriage, marriage life getting messed up. Number four, despair. Right? When a person, he falls into this, you know, he starts becoming completely hopeless. And this is what shaitan wants. Because you get into that addiction, then you, you know, you, you, you start uh, being unfaithful. And then you do it again, and then you make promise, and then you do it again, and you fall into it again, and this comes, and then all of a sudden it leads to this despair. And you completely become hopeless. And khudayna khasta, may Allah forbid, it can sometimes, la samaha Allah, lead to a person losing his faith. And nothing means anything anymore. I'd rather just kill myself. Warped thinking and desensitization. What is this warped thinking? Right? People start thinking that real women are like that. People start thinking that real women are like those actors, right? People start trivializing rape. They start trivializing rape, right? And you get this distorted perception of sexuality. Youngsters, young men and women that are getting married now, it's, it's you know, it's, it's terrible. It's almost like a traumatic experience, especially for the sisters, when people get married, because youngsters, they start their understanding of sexuality through all of this, these perversions, these sick actions. When they get married, they want to enact those things, and it becomes completely, you know, impossible. And it, it becomes distorted. There's no more love. There's no more sexuality. There's no, like, real sensuality. What is this? It starts becoming, right, that that thing is an object to just use. And it starts leading to more bizarre, deviant, violent things, right? And this is, right, such as sexual deviation, violence, rape, child molestation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. May Allah ta'ala guide us. Cures to evil glances. Now we know how harmful it is. We know how destructive it is. So those who are involved in love affairs and wish to come out of this trap, but cannot do so. So we can say love affairs, and there's no love affairs anymore. There's lust affairs. This is, this love affairs, you know, cross that out. It should be lust affairs. A love is something which is rooted in purity. 
and safai and khulus and ikhlas. So anybody involved in the lust affairs and wish to come out of the trap, then follow these six points. So this is written by our Shaykh, Shaykh al-Mashaykh, Maulana Abra al-Haqsab, rahmatullahi alayhi. He says, number one, use the courage that Allah has given you. Brothers and sisters, Hazrat Shaykh Maulana Ashraf Ali Tanwi, rahmatullahi he said something so beautiful. He said, there is no cure to sin. Somebody came, Hazrat, kuch taweez de dijiye taake guna chut jaye. Taweez de dijiye taake guna chut jaye. Give me a taweez so that I can leave sins. Give me a, 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 an amulet. Give me a special potion or special words that I say those words and I just not commit sin. I don't have the desire to sin. Shaykh said, there is only one amulet for leaving sins and that is using your willpower and your courage. That's the only way. That is the greatest taweez for tarki guna is himmat. Apni himmat ko istemal karo. That's number one, brothers and sisters. Use the courage that Allah Ta'ala has given you. And in all of the, if you look at any of the studies on leaving any addiction, whether it's alcohol addiction, whether it's addiction of sexuality, whether it's addiction to pornography, whether it's addiction to drugs, in, you know, in any of the, in, they say this is not going to be a walk in the park. This is not going to be something that is tea and biscuits. It's going to be something extremely difficult. No pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. There is no way that you're going to be able to leave that until you use the courage and the himmat and discipline yourself. Number two, supplicate to Allah to grant you courage. Supplicate. Brothers and sisters, we don't do this anymore. You know, in these Alcoholics Anonymous programs, do you know the prayers? They have these prayers. Oh God. And this is the prayer that they say. And I'm saying, Muslims, how come we are not asking Allah like this? We should ask Allah. And this is what they're saying. Oh Jesus Christ, give me the, the strength to fight the temptation. Allahu Akbar. Brothers and sisters, how can we be forgetful of Allah Ta'ala? No matter what addiction we have, no matter what attraction we have, no matter what temptation we have in front of us, if we just lift our hands, shed the tears of love, and regret from our hearts. And we cry to Allah that, Oh Allah Ta'ala, you give me the strength. Oh Allah Ta'ala, you give me the power. You give me the ability to resist this temptation. By Allah, it will become very easy. Because it is in Allah's hands that we can do this. Ask Allah. We don't ask Allah. We should ask Him. And number three, ask the Ahlullah, the special servants of Allah Ta'ala, especially one spiritual mentor. Just like everybody has a, you know, you have a trainer. Everybody has a trainer. Everybody has a personal doctor. Everybody has a personal doctor. You should have a personal shaykh. Somebody who is qualified, who knows the conditions of the heart, who knows the conditions of the nafs, who is trained in the Quran and Sunnah. And counsel him. Take counsel from him. Whoever you believe. Whatever you believe. Because remember, we have to understand. Certain people nowadays, they don't believe in mashayikh. You're deluded. If you don't believe in mashayikh, you are deluded. If you don't believe in qualified people, you are deluded. I say that very openly because you're not believing in what Allah says in the Quran. Allah says, if you are la ta'lamun, if you are a person who does not know, has no expertise in something, then ask somebody who does have expertise. This is Quran. Ask the people who know if you know not. 
This teaches us that there are qualified people and there will be qualified people till the day of judgment. So ask somebody who is qualified in that matter. Ask them about your heart. Ask them about your condition. Consult them. And ask them to make dua for you. Because the dua of a brother for another brother is definitely accepted by Allah. Dua ul akhihi li akhi. And number four, take special care in making zikr of Allah and occupying oneself in those deeds that increase the faith. Making zikr of Allah Ta'ala. Right? There's a, many, many du'as from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That if anybody reads, Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum, Bi rahmatika astaghith, Aslih li sha'ni kullah, Wala takilni ila nafsi tarfata ayn. Oh Allah Ta'ala, Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum, Oh the ever-living, and the one who gives life to everything. Bi rahmatika astaghith, I supplicate you out of your mercy. Aslih li sha'ni kullah, Oh Allah, you rectify me. I'm crooked. I'm messed up. I'm wicked. You straighten me. Oh Allah, don't leave me to my nafs for the blinking of an eye. Look at this dua. Ask Allah Ta'ala. Right? These are duas, these are dhikrs. That if we do them, performing tahajjud, performing a five daily prayers. There was an incident, this is somebody very close to me, told me this story. Being connected to the house of Allah, being connected to the masjid, being connected to prayer. All of these have an effect of guarding you from shaitan. He says there was a, there was a, he said, I was going for Fajr prayer. This is when the, when, the, when the Salatul Fajr in the summer was early in the morning, like 4.30. He says, and I was going to Fajr, and it was on the bad side of town, and I stopped at a red light, another car stopped right next to me. And it was a bad side of town. When I looked to the, ne- to, to my, and this is 4 in the morning, when I looked to my left, there was another person in a car, a very beautiful woman. And she said, roll down your window. This is a person very close to me. He's mentioning his, his own observation. He said, roll down your window. So I rolled down the window and he said something very inappropriate to me. He said, go over to that parking lot and I'll do something for you. I'll do a favor for you. You want to go to that parking lot? I'll do a favor for you. This brother said that split second, I don't know where my temptation took me. And the thought crossed my mind that this is an opportunity. A'udhu Billah. He's sharing his condition. He's being honest. Then another, right after that, when that thought came in my mind, I, th- I thought to myself, immediately after that, Allah guided me. I told myself, where are you going? Why are you in your car? Aina tadhabun. Where am I going? And then I realized, astaghfirullah, I'm going to the masjid. How did this even talk? He said, I just, it was a red light. I just ran it. <laughs> there was no cars. I said, Ur. he says, I burned. He said, I burned out. I said, I can't stay at that stoplight. I don't trust my nafs even for a split second. Allahu Akbar. He says today, he even says, he says, Shaykh, he says, I don't know how salat saved my life. How that salat saved my marriage. Because I was a person, I thought I was very dedicated to my wife. But when that opportunity came, for that split second, I completely lost it. And I immediately, it came to my mind, where are you going? I'm going to the masjid for Salatul Fajr. A'udhu Billah, what am I doing? And that, imagine if you have that connection with Salat and you're sitting on the laptop or you're on your phone and then suddenly the thought of Salat comes. You're a person who is punctual. You say, wait a minute, I can't do this right now. Astaghfirullah. I'm about to go to the masjid. It's about to be prayer time. It's about that Salat. Hafidhu ala salawat. 
You guard Allah and Allah will guard you. You protect Allah and Allah will protect you. Meaning protect the deen of Allah. Next, keep far away from the avenues of sin. Don't go to those places physically. Don't drive by that neighborhood. Don't go to that place. Don't sit next to that girl. Don't go to that place. Don't sit next to that girl. Don't be in that vicinity. Go away from that vicinity. You don't need to be there. Keep yourself away with the, and also from the heart. Physically and mentally. Guard yourself. Let, don't, don't allow the thoughts to enter inside your heart. You gotta meditate. Inshallah, you know, this is something that a person has to work on. Next, continuously be in the company of a pious person or pious people. And reform yourself by him. Being in such gatherings, mashaAllah. In this gathering, who's thinking about sin? Everybody's thinking about the topic that's being discussed. Now the benefits of guarding the eyes. It's the highest level of submission and obedience. Imagine a person guarding his eyes. Why are you not looking at me? There's one of the awliya, Ma'arumi rahmatullah He mentions the story that he was passing by a very beautiful woman. And she was decked out. And she was, you know, as they say, you know, dressed to kill. You know, she was dressed to kill. She was all decked out, dressed to kill. With her poisonous arrows. Or him. But in this story, there was a pious man, he was walking by. And he lowered his gaze. And then she said something. She said that there is a greater love in his heart that has made him guard his eyes from me. There is a greater love. There is, a more, there is somebody more beautiful that he does not notice my beauty. And that is the lovers of Allah. When they realize what is the beauty of Allah, all of these temporary beauties will completely vanish and wither away. It is the highest level of submission. Look at this person lowering his gaze, lowering his eyes, lowering his... Number two, it prevents the poisonous arrows of shaitan. When you guard your eyes, right? That's when the poisonous arrows of shaitan cannot come and hit you and destroy you. Number three, it generates love and connection to Allah. Every time you go through that pain of guarding your eyes, yes, it's very difficult to stay away from that addiction. It's very difficult to guard your eyes and look the other direction. But from that pain, that pain is good. No pain, no gain. And number four, it strengthens the heart and gives you confidence and courage. Right? It gives you confidence and courage that you can control yourself and that's who a true man is. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned in another hadith, the strong man is not the, other, the one who can topple somebody over. That's not the strong man who can beat somebody up and topple somebody over. But the strong man is the one who can control his nafs at the time of anger. Similarly, the point here is controlling your nafs. يَمْلِكُ نَفْسَهُ عِنْدَ الْغَضَبِ أو يَمْلِكُ نَفْسَهُ عِنْدَ كُلِّ شَهْوَةِ Number four or number five. It develops light and increases faith, right? As the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ mentions, that when a person guards his eyes, what happens? Allah grants him the, the halawat of iman. It increases the spiritual insight by which a person discerns between truth and falsehood. In furqana That the people who are the ones who guard their eyes, Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah says, he says, the one who guards his basarat, Allah gives him basirat. The one who guards his eyes, Allah gives him the light of the heart. From that, Allah grants him wisdom. Allah grants him knowledge. Allah grants him the knowledge of, of those things that he might not have knowledge of. Allah Ta'ala makes one steadfast and strong in faith. 
It closes the gateway by which shaitan enters the heart. It frees the heart from being occupied with futile things that will distract it from its purpose. And it preserves the heart from becoming destroyed. And the greatest treasure of Allah of all is the love of Allah Ta'ala. Those who continue to obey Allah and stay away from His disobedience, Allah loves them. And not only does Allah Ta'ala love that person, Allah puts the love of His beloveds in the hearts of mankind. And Allah Ta'ala says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِنُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ سَيَجْعَلُ لَهُمُ الرَّحْمَانُ وُدَّةِ And when you love Allah, and you sacrifice for Allah, then Allah Ta'ala will put your love in the hearts of people. Everybody wants to be famous. Hazrat Mawlana Qasim Nanotwi Rahmatullahi said, what is the true sign of acceptance, true sign of being famous? Good famous, good popularity. He says, good popularity, it starts from the heavens and then it comes down. Like the Prophet ﷺ, he was hated at first by his people. But he was loved first by Allah. Then through time, what happened? Slowly, slowly, the love of the Prophet ﷺ came in the hearts of all mankind. And he said, the opposite is, first people start loving you for the wrong reasons. And then after that, that love eventually starts, you know, it starts changing. So what happens is when a person sacrifices for the sake of Allah, slowly, 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 that person becomes known because he's beloved in the court of Allah. You become popular in Allah's court and then Allah gives you popularity on the face of this planet, on the face of this earth. Those who believe and work deeds of righteousness, Allah most gracious will bestow a special love for him. For him and in the hearts of others. And Allah becomes angered with those who hurt his friends and wages war against them. Meaning, what is the benefit? And when you become beloved to Allah, when you sacrifice, when you go through all these hardships, when you guard your eyes, so what's in it for you? What's the benefit? So the benefit is, is that in, Allah Ta'ala says, Man faqad bilharb. Anyone who has enmity for a friend of mine, then I wage war against him. Right? And Allah Ta'ala grants you the ability to be in complete servitude and submission. Allah continues to give you strength. And if you ask Allah Ta'ala anything, Allah Ta'ala will grant you that. These are all the benefits of you being connected to Allah, you getting a love for Allah. That when you give up what you love for Allah, then Allah will give you what you love. When you ask, when you do what Allah asks of you, Allah will do what you ask of Him. And Allah will grant him a way out of every difficulty. And Allah will provide for, from him, for him. Allah will provide him from where he could not never expect. There was a student of mine. This ayat always brings me the thought of the student. This student of mine, he asked me a question. We were in Makkah Mukarramah and we were making tawaf. So he asked me a question. He said, Shaykh, he says, can I ask you a question? Don't get mad at me. I said, sure. He says, you know, how can we get married if we don't date? You're saying dating is not good. But how can I get married? How can I know who I love? How can I know who's the, one, the right one if, you know, if I don't date somebody? So I said, see, I didn't say anything. So he said, see, you're angry. I said, no, I'm not angry. I'm making tawaf right now. You're just, you're, why did you ask that question while we're making tawaf? <laughs> we're making tawaf. No other question came in your mind. So subhanallah, this ayat came in my mind while we we're making tawaf. And anyone who fears Allah, Allah will make a way out for him. And Allah will provide him or her from where he cannot even imagine. 
Wallahi, guess what happened? When I told him this, I said, look, Allah will provide you for where you cannot even imagine. Just don't get involved in disobedience. There's other ways. You can come to know a person, you know, through family, through colleagues, through different means. Now there's all these different, you know, halal means of getting to know somebody. But don't just, you know, go test drive somebody's daughter because you want to, you know, get to know them. A'udhu billah. You know what I mean? So don't do that. So then he was making tawaf. So look at what he tells me. I said, you be careful. This is a Kaaba right here. He said, Shaykh, I make a promise. I will never do it. Here's the Kaaba right in front of us. And I will not do it. I will guard my eyes. I'm not going to go, you know, test driving. I'm not going to date. I'm not going to do anything bad. I'll take your word for it. I said, don't take my word for it. Take Allah's word for it. Allah will provide you. You put yaqeen. Anyone who puts his trust in Allah, Allah will suffice him. So then what happens? Wallahi, this is a true story. You know, some people say, so what? If I'm going to do this, is a wife is going to fall from the heavens? Yeah, literally, that's what happened. Now listen. You know, it's very romantic, you know? Because, you know, it's the occasion. <laughs> Everything's red and pink, you know, wherever you go. Hearts and chocolates. So here's a true Islamic love story. Okay, it's a halal love story. <laughs> so he, was, he, he got a job, he, at the job, he was there and the boss said, okay, you have to, you know, you, you, you know, you've become a manager. Now you have to train somebody. You have to train this person. So he said, okay. He said, there was, you know, my luck. You know, there was a girl, female, I had to train her. And, you know, she was kind of attractive. And Bichara, he's coming to me, you know, he's coming to the sheikh. He said, sheikh, I'm having trouble now, man. Why are you having trouble? He said, you know what you said in the, you know, what I, the promise that I made in the haram, you know, it's getting difficult for me to hold up that promise. But, you know, I, you know she's asking me questions. You know, she's asking me questions about Islam. She's asking me questions about, you know, deen and so on and so forth. I said, okay, so do like this. You know, say, you know, I can't teach you all these things. You know, give her the number of this sister. She's an alima. You know, take this number, you know, she'll teach you about Islam. I, I have to train you. How do you do this and how you do that and how this works? And so then she took the number a day, back, a day later, she comes back and says, um, I don't want to learn from her, I want to learn from you. <laughs> so now this whole time, he's telling me all this. This is, this, is this is a hard thing. You know, and he's coming to me and he's telling me, oh, Sheikh, this is what she said. She says, I don't want to learn by no sister, I want to learn from you. I said, okay, I got, the, I, got the, I got the antidote for that. I got just the antidote. I said, tell her the only way that I can teach you, you know, given these private lessons, is if you become halal for me. And there's only one that you, way you can become halal for me is if, you, if I marry you, very honestly. I said, tell that, that'll make her run away. Lo and behold, his du'as in the Kaaba were accepted. And this is wallahi a true story. I'm in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Exactly how it's going. He goes and he tells her, you know, I'm very sorry. And you know, the guy, he's kind of like a majnoon, ashik type of person of a sheikh. So he'll say exactly, my sheikh told me this. I said, don't, don't ever say that. He said, don't ever say that, okay? Just do it. Don't say, you know, my sheikh told me to tell you like this. He probably said that as well, embarrassed me. So he's like, you know, there's only one way I could teach you. If, if you become my wife. So guess what she says? Okay. I'll do that. I want to become Muslim. 
But look, it just doesn't end there, brothers and sisters. What did she say? Because their husband and wife now, alhamdulillah, happily married. Both of them are my students. Happily married. Forever after. You know? But what was the thing? She said that, I saw your honesty, and every other man would hit on me. But you would not even want to look at me. Allahu Akbar. Imagine this. Brothers and sisters, guarding of the eyes brought her closer to Islam. She said, everybody else was looking at me, wanted to hit on me, and I see how uncomfortable you were. I could see how, how, how you were uncomfortable, how you, would, you wanted to kind of get away from the situation. And I knew that was from your sincerity, and I knew there was something about you, and I knew it was your religion. I want to follow that religion. Allahu Akbar. And she is a very, very pious Muslimah now, by the fadl of Allah Ta'ala, mutahajiba, muslima. You know, may Allah Ta'ala guide them. But brothers and sisters, this is that thing that Allah will provide from where we cannot even imagine. You leave those sources that are haram and Allah Ta'ala will give you from where you cannot even imagine. You must have yaqeen. You must have trust in Him. And we're inshallah coming near the end. Allah will grant you ease in all of affairs. And Allah Ta'ala eventually will grant jannah. And as for the one who feared the standing before their Lord, and it restrained, restrained their nafs from evil desires, then Jannat will be their abode. And Allah Ta'ala will grant them His special meeting, His sight, and His shade, the shade of His throne on the Day of Judgment. Inshallah, we should all ask Allah Ta'ala to grant us His mahabba and grant us His love. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak. Wa hubba man yuhibbuk. والعمل الذي يبلغنا حبك اللهم اجعل حبك أحب إلينا من أنفسنا وأهلنا ومن الماء البارد أو الله تعالى we ask of you for your love and we ask you the love of those whom you love and we ask you the love of those actions that you love أو الله تعالى make your love more beloved to me and more beloved to us than ourselves our families cold water. Oh Allah Ta'ala, take us away from all addictions other than the addiction of your love. Oh Allah Ta'ala, take us away from all of those things that take us away from you. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma ati nufusana taqwaha. Wa zakkiha anta khayru man zakkaha. Anta waliyuha wa mawlaha. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqi Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in bi rahmatika.